You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. We're going to start our positional breakdowns, looking at past, present, and future. Uh, before we get into it, not really anything major on the news front to uh, report. I did forget to mention earlier in the week that, uh, or I should say last week, that uh, I'm blanking on Ty Olson signing a minor league deal. Uh, you know, you look, he was in line to get $3 million, and instead he accepted a minor league deal with the Cubs. And that's really it in terms of, you know, Indians news. Oh, um, David Huff signed a minor league deal with someone. I can't tell you who because it's really not important. I can't see that being anything that is going to matter or have an effect on the Indians. But it was just interesting to see that after being kind of mediocre in Japan, he is still coming back here. And, uh, yeah, uh, Cubs trading for Travis Larkins was minorly interesting. Uh, former Ohio State pitcher uh, was a top 10 prospect, never quite worked out or stayed healthy for the Red Sox. And uh, Jake Feria clearing waivers after he was recently designated for assignment by the Brewers. Interesting numbers, uh, top prospect points, but just never put it together. So let's now dive into the fun world of the Indians position by position. And while, you know, it starts typically with pitching, we're gonna just going to start at catcher. And the Indians catcher is Roberto Perez. He was a former 33rd round pick. He was the 1011th player selected in that draft. Uh, that was the 2008 draft. Which, uh, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere. He, he toiled forever in the minors and established himself uh, eventually as Indians catcher. Now, you might recall heading into the year, he was anything but proven. The defensive numbers were there, but he had been extremely inconsistent as a hitter. And at the start of the year, he struggled, though the baseball's avant data showed a guy who was likely to, at some point, break out. And Roberto Perez ended up having a very good season. He won a gold glove. That defense has always been there. He is defensively just about as good as it gets. Um, you're looking at a guy who, you know, pitch framing, uh, his, the amount of guys he throws out. You look at, uh, you know, all aspects of catcher. He does them all and does them all extremely well. And on top of that, you know, he walked 10% of the time and had 24 home runs a year ago. Now, base running started to fall, and it's, you know, I look at fan graphs here. They have his offensive rating as, as negative, but I'm like, man, I, I don't care if he hit 240 with a 320 on base. Uh, I'll take those numbers and 24 home runs every single day of the week for any catcher who's even passable behind the plate. Now, he did, this is where it gets interesting, because he had arthroscopic surgery to remove bone spurs from his his ankle. Like, that's that's not insignificant. Um, he also had just some wear down as the year went on. Uh, it's hard to say exactly what was going on with all of his injury to do's. It felt like it was more than just that a year ago. So there's a chance he could, um, perform better this year. It's also a chance he could spend some more time on the injured list. Uh, he, no matter what, he needs probably to play a little less than he played a year ago. You can't constantly put the same guy out there. Now, the Indians back up a San Leon. The, he is the the only person who has as much faith in him as the Indians as his own mother. 
Uh, he's been pretty consistently, he can pitch frame, but by all the statistics we saw, so could Kevin P at a cheaper rate than Leon, who they're, they're paying a decent chunk of change for a team with monetary restraints. Um, he's long removed from being a passable offensive catcher. He is purely a full-time backup. And at the end of the year, even if he somehow has like a, a rebound bounce back year, um, he just he goes into free agency. There's no length to this. There's no holding on to him. Uh, you know, he can defend, but that's really all he can do behind the plate. So should we get into the all-time? Should we get into what happens with injury? Should we get into depth? Let's just tackle the depth right away. Catching is extremely weak in system. Bo Taylor is, uh, you know, the, the guy who has played in the majors, who's kind of your emergency catcher in AAA. Gavin Collins is your AA catcher, but he's more of a first baseman. He's really not that strong behind the plate defensively. Um, your top prospect is Bo Naylor, who we assume will begin the year in high A after spending the year in low A first round pick but there's always been questions about can he handle the position defensively um had a strong debut one of the indians top five prospects we'll see uh again you know it's it's one of those things when you look at guys in the lower minors their high a catcher for most of last year was mike rivera now this is kind of interesting mike rivera was viewed as maybe like the best defensive catcher in the 20 um let me make sure i get this right the 20 uh, uh 17 draft class Bo Naylor came in in the 2018 draft class as a college player. Rivera was a catcher at Florida where he caught a lot of you know, future talent, future pro-level uh, arms. And they're just separated by one level. Like, if, if Rivera gets the bump to double-A and Naylor to high-A, which I think is vo- very likely in both cases, and then I would bet on Brian Lavastida starting in low-A based on his how well he performed a year ago. Um, that's kind of how I expect it to, to all shake out. Uh, but I do find it interesting, the, you know, there's almost like five years of age between two guys who were drafted one year apart between Naylor and Rivera. Rivera was this defensive whiz who could not hit his weight in college, and sometimes that works out. Uh, Jake Rogers, who uh, Detroit got from Houston in the, I believe he was part of the Verlander return, uh, he was that guy uh, at... Um, Tulane, him and Almeas was the shortstop. They had two guys of note, both up the middle types. And I was never like I loved Rogers when I saw his defense, but I was like, if he can't hit in, at Tulane, how is he going to hit in the pros? Well, he he figured it out. Good coaching, I guess. And that's maybe where you bet on the guy from the small school program getting a little more coaching and figuring out, as opposed to the guy who comes from the baseball factory and he just can't hit anything. So. Rivera is a solid defensive catcher. The Indians value that. Uh, he could very likely end up being a coach in this system because of the way the Indians value such things. But yeah, if I had to place a bet right now, Taylor is your everyday catcher in AAA. AA, it's Mike Rivera. High A, Naylor. Low A, Levastida. And Naylor and Levastida are both, I think, top 20 prospects to me. Uh, Naylor is a top five prospect. If an injury, uh, God forbid, arises, the Indians are, let's be honest, they're screwed. Uh, there's there's no other way to put it. Uh, Sandy Leon becomes your everyday guy at that point. Bo Taylor gets bumped up to the roster. Um, you pretty much get a black hole uh, offensively. I mean, you'll be fine on defense. You'll, you'll It will be a regression. It's not going to be 
uh, the end of the world there. At least he brings some value to the board, but they don't have anything even remotely close. And they've just they've spent a lot of money on catching prospects in the draft, and it just hasn't worked out. Like that's one of those things. Like catchers are riskier than pitchers, especially when you take prep catchers, which the Indians have spent a lot of money on these high school catchers, and none of them have worked. It's a little bit better when you go with college guys. Um, which reminds me, no talk of Logan Ice on uh, the depth chart here. That's one that still hurts to this day because, uh, like, I liked Logan Ice. He had a big breakout that year at Oregon State, and I had a lot of people asking questions. Were Oregon State fans? Uh, what's, you know, how high could he go? And the Indians took him the sandwich round. Now, I had a, an Ohio kid as a higher-rated catcher than Logan Ice, and that Ohio kid's name was um, Sean Murphy, who's one of the top-catching prospects in all of baseball. And uh, Logan Ice had gotten better every year in college, and he has this big breakout year where he hit 310. But he never had any power. But, he, you know, he was a switch-hitting catcher, who, which is something the Indians definitely like. They like those switch hitters. And you could have almost predicted him in a lot of ways because it's, it's, again, a switch-hitting catcher, cold-weather guy. He was from Tacoma originally. So, of course, they took Logan Ice. Logan Ice could also be a guy. I mean, Logan Ice is likely going to be in AA or AAA. Um, you know, he was the second-round pick in 2016, so the year before they took Rivera, and the year before, the year after that, you know, they took uh, Naylor. They draft a catcher relatively high in those, like, first 11 picks typically most years. Um, Simone Lucas is another one of those guys who was, like, a bat-first-only prospect who uh, couldn't... <laughs> Couldn't hit, um, you know, it's never a good sign when uh, your bat first guy just doesn't perform offensively. I'm seeing if he is he is still in the Indian system at this point. Uh, no, he didn't play in 2019, but he was a seventh-round pick because they gave a decent chunk of money in uh, the 2014 draft. Start to lose track of uh, all of these drafts. I just remember being like, oh, this is an interesting kid. I got to follow him. And... Um, yeah, career OPS under 700, never even made it out of Mahoning Valley. Uh, Alex Levisky, another one of those guys who was the, um, they gave him a seven-figure signing bonus, as I recall, and it just didn't come together. He caught Stetson Alley, who was a guy they really liked in that class as well, who could throw really hard, and then Alley tried to make a comeback as an outfielder, hit for a lot of power in the minors, but I don't think he ever got to the bigs. And, um, of course, Eric Haas was the other one, the other catcher who was a, a high school uh, athlete. And he seemed to put it together a few years ago. Weirdly, the Indians let him pass through waivers and then sold him this offseason when he got claimed. Uh, so they don't have that depth anymore. Like, at least Haas was a, someone who I thought was an interesting backup option with some power potential. But now they don't even have that. So, yeah, catching is, is a organizational weakness top to bottom. Maybe the weakest position in system. And it's just one of those things. They've struggled with the development. Roberto Perez was kind of a luck find. Jan Gomez was a was a very polished player before that who they got in a trade. He had already been up to AAA. Um, at that point, you still had Santana, who they got in a trade, who struggled uh, a bit offensively. When we get into some of the past history, that'll be a, a point to talk about uh, some of those guys. But yeah, it's, it's a system where they cannot really deal with an injury. They can't absorb one uh, at any to any degree and there isn't help on the horizon like the next catcher who looks like a potential starter is in high a so that's you're looking at 2021 at the earliest likely 2022 so roberto perez is the guy he is going to be with the indians 
um, hopefully for a, a long time. If you're curious about contract for him, you know, they were lucky that he's one of those guys. They really liked what they saw and they locked him up relatively quickly, uh, even when he was only a backup at that point. And the contract he signed, I was trying to see when he signed his contract. Um, well, he will make 3.6 million this year. Then he had, they have a team option for 5.5 and then a team option for 7 million. So yeah, three more years at catcher. And uh, at that point he would be uh, 34 years old and we'll have to see what he does uh, in terms of, you know, his own outcome. It is interesting that out of high school, he's a 29th round draft pick of the Dodgers. Didn't sign two years later. He is a 33rd round draft pick of the Indians. So stock went a bit backwards for him. But again, he has been a, an excellent get, a really great developmental story for the Cleveland Indians. So let's dig into the past. Who are the best catchers in Indians history? This is actually kind of a hard question because the Indians catching has been um, very up and down through the years. Uh, they, there's not anyone who, when I was looking at these numbers, stands out as like, that is a... Um, that's a Hall of Fame catcher that the Indians produced. Uh, the one that always gets me in trouble is I talk about Sandy Alomar as like the most overrated catcher in Indians history. And the reason I say that is uh, he just wasn't healthy. Like as much as you think Kenny or Sandy Alomar was, was this stalwart, uh, in his time in Cleveland, he only appeared in over 100 games four times. He was always hurt. Uh, from 91 until 96... So the 91, 92, 93, 94, and 95 seasons, he played in under 90 games per year. And they were relying on backups consistently. Um, yeah, he did make six All-Star games. Though Part of that feels like the ballot-stuffing uh, Indians fans uh, pushing a guy in who maybe wasn't always the most deserving. Uh, his home run, you know, he won the Rookie of the Year that year. He bad 290, 326, 418, 744. Uh, OPS uh, won the gold glove as well so it was probably more in his defense that's the only gold glove for him he's interesting just because it's the high peaks played forever played till he was 41 um, but he was he just never stayed healthy for a guy who played 20 years uh, to have under 1400 games when you think about it that means he averaged less than 70 games a season so yeah it's I mean, there were high peaks, and the 97 season for him was was truly magical and something he never, ever came close to repeating. Um, so let's just give that, that moment there. Jim Hegan is actually, in terms of defensive value, the second-best catcher by defensive war and system. Uh, another guy who was a five-time All-Star at the catcher position, um, you know, lost his age 22, 23, and 24 years to military service to many most known as though the father of Mike Hegan who never actually played with the Indians uh you know was the Brewers uh color commentary guy when he retired played a lot with the Brewers and then in uh 1989 is when he was brought into Cleveland so kind of came in at the perfect time where he stayed for the next 23 years but uh yeah he was a you know a, a Cleveland born kid who made to the majors, even if he never um, played in the majors with the Indians. But yeah, so Jim Hegan, his dad, was defensively one of the best catchers in Indians history. Uh, I think it's interesting that tied for 16th best uh, 
defensive war value on baseball reference currently Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez those two constantly together one spot behind them is Sandy Alomar now remember war is a cumulative stat so it rewards time spent Uh, so those two being ahead even though with less years uh, the other names that definitely jumped out as I was just kind of going Enar Diaz is in the top 30 all the time amongst Indians defensive values Uh, good old Enar and you know Chris Bando made this list Ray Fossey at 47th. You know, it's I didn't really know Fossey. I'm too young for that. But that's one of those guys my dad always talks about, the Pete Rose uh, running him over and how that changed his career. Uh, but when you look at the numbers of him, that's always been one of those things where I'm like, eh, might Father's Day, I'll try to maybe have my father on here because it just it's different points of view. It's different eras. Because um, I believe, uh, well, you know, that first season – at first, I should say, but really his first extended look when he was 23 was something special. So I, I'll, 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 I'll be fair. I was probably being a bit unfair in that. Uh, but yeah, those, so defensively, those are kind of the guys. I mean, I'm, I'm not mentioning the best defensive guy who is the, in my opinion, probably the Indians all-time catcher. Um, if we're looking at it, though, like I said, in terms of like defense and time spent, Really, you are looking at uh, Jim Hegan, Roberto Perez, Sandy Almar, Jan Gomes, and Enar Diaz. Offensively, it's Santana and it's Victor Martinez. And those are the only guys who I saw that even qualified in the top 50. Um, offensive production or total war uh, for players. Funny enough, uh, 50th all-time, Johnny Peralta in total war. It, it's, it's interesting to look down that list and see some names like, wow, better than you thought, huh? But in terms of just offensive war, it's that, that you don't see a lot. You can go through that whole catching position, and it does not turn up much, except for there's, again, a guy on there who is the Indians' best catcher, and we'll get to him. So we kind of talked about the, the side groupings. Offensively, you're talking Santana, Martinez, peak Sandy Alomar would get in there, but his overall war does not even crack the top 50. Or does not even top crack the top 50. Uh, defensively, it's Jim Hegan, it's Roberto Perez, it's Sandy Alomar, it's Jan Gomes, it's Enar Diaz. Now, the guy who is 33rd all-time in offensive war and 9th all-time in defensive war, uh, one spot ahead of him, Francisco Lindor, Omar Vizquel is 4th, Kenny Lofton 3rd, 1 and 2 will be uh, talked about on this eventually as I kind of looked at what the Indians all-time list would be. That's always so hard because baseball really is a different game post. I mean, I'd have to sit down and talk with someone like smarter than me to really be like, when was baseball, uh, when did baseball change irrevocably? And this is one of those guys who was born in the 1800s. So, you know, it played with Cleveland from 1911 until 1923. Never an all-star. I don't know, maybe there wasn't an all-star game then. Uh, he had a brother. Uh, he had multiple brothers playing the majors. None were as good. Mike O'Neill, uh, maybe I just gave it away, being the best a pitcher. Uh, Steve O'Neill is the guy. And he is interesting because his brothers were all actually born in Ireland. And he was born in Pennsylvania. And he then lived in Cleveland until he died in 1962. So again, kind of gives you the, uh, the, the whole gamut here. Uh, with him and but when you look at his numbers again defensively pretty high values I find his peak OPS is really interesting now again 
It's the guy who had 13 home runs over a 17-year career because baseball and Erez and things like that. But, um, you know, his OPS is at, for those, like, prime years at 20, uh, 27, 28, 29, 800, 848, 827, 839. Now, those are really good because OPS is such a, cruddy stat in a way because it's you know slugging has such a big impact on it uh his ops pluses during those eras were all over 110 you know strong numbers he was a good offensive catcher and a very strong defensive catcher and that makes him the uh, the best catcher in indians history as i mentioned he had three brothers played in the majors so the o'neills are one of four families that had uh, or one of two families that had four brothers play in the majors and yeah, it, like I said, it's just one of those things when you look at Steve O'Neill, uh, you go back and you read some things that, you know, he, he was a, had a strong arm. He was agile behind the plate. What's the quote from George Yule I saw that uh, he would tell him he had one of the few people who had the guts to call a curveball with the tying or winning run on third base. Talk about a different era that that was a concern that, you know, oh, I can't handle the curve. So yeah, Steve O'Neill, uh, greatest uh, catcher in Indians history. Like I said, he did, he did it both ways uh, behind the plate. So I hope you've enjoyed this look at... Uh, so we, we're saying current uh, current starter Roberto Perez. Starter in five years, you're hoping Bo Naylor. Best starter of all, all time, Steve O'Neill. Thank you for listening. We'll continue the series with first base on Friday unless we have breaking news before then. This has been Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I want to thank everyone who's listening, downloading, rating, and reviewing. And as always, go Tribe.